0: Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys.
1: Welcome back, Canoe Racing fans, for another episode of the Canoe Race world podcast i am your host kevin olson joined today with my co-host rebecca davis how are you doing tonight rebecca
2: i'm great kevin i think we're we were just talking before we got started that we all have like little ones so getting everybody to bed on time to record is like a a pretty good night i think for all of us (laughs) yeah
1: for sure Having the little ones down, having the time to do the episodes like this is definitely a stroke getting everyone's uh, schedules on point. But with that being said, this is the post-classic episode. We did a pre-classic one, so we're going to do a post-one. And so we have the mixed champs on tonight. So we have Sarah Lassard and Luc Mercier. How are you guys doing tonight? Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: it's pretty stressful to be on the podcast with with you. Thank you uh, to let us talk about La Classique, Sarah. I don't know if you you want to start.
0: Well, I'm glad to. Be talking with you guys, and I can't wait to tell you the story because everyone knows how much I like to talk. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, before we get to our guests, we are going to uh, cover a, a couple of different other things that are going on in the canoe race world. First, I wanted to address that if you are a loyal listener, the very few of you that are out there, but the growing number that are out there, I should say. You'll notice that Bill is not with us tonight, and I was not with Bill last time. The reason for this is Rebecca decided to reach out to us, like what we were doing with the podcast, and she wanted to become more a part of it. And what this is going to help us do is to record a little bit more frequently so we can get you guys a little bit more content. The whole point of Canoe Race World is to bring more and more uh, content, to people, so we can reach more people, and we can, you know, spread the love of canoe racing to more people. So hopefully, in essence, grow the sport. I also want to give this a call to action. That if if anyone out there is listening and wants to help with uh, content creation, I've never turned down anyone. That has wanted to help create content for Canoe Race World. That's the website and uh, the podcast. So just reach out to me. We can, you know, we can work work together. See what we can get going, and the more content, the merrier.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I think uh, you guys have done a great job getting things started. And I'm so happy to be here today talking about Classique. That's my favorite of the Triple Crown races, which I think is like an unpopular opinion coming from Michigan. But I just love the three days of racing. And uh, I think we've got some other three-day races we're going to talk about, maybe some that are closer to your former home.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that was, you know, part of our uh, housekeeping is to chat about the Adirondack 90 miler just happened this past weekend. Shout out to Ben Schlimmer for stealing my first seat in the GRB canoe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So he raced C4 this year then? Because I know you're usually with Gene Newman, right? So
1: yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he. It was him, Miranda, uh, Miranda's dad, and Gene, and the nice. the GRB boat. So yeah, um, in 2019, it was me, Miranda, a guy named Dave Thomas, and then Gene. Yeah, so they uh, they enjoyed themselves. They had a good uh, a good go at it, and we were gonna kind of chit chat about the topic of. PFDs with it because that's something that new this year they required PFDs be worn at all times so
2: yeah I think the former director of the race has kind of stepped down and I guess sold the race actually to a new board of directors I guess if you will so they've changed it up a little bit uh sounds like everything ran fairly this like similarly to in the past this year, I think they changed a couple starting waves. But yeah, the big thing is everyone had to wear PD, PFDs all three days, which usually they think they only make you wear them on the windiest days if the the wind is strong. So right. that was a new thing. Yeah, I and we did, I noticed, you know, I've been going to Classique now, this is my 10th one, and we've been the third day where we go through the big rapid. Pretty much all of the younger paddlers now wear their PFDs on that third day, which is probably a good thing to see that water's a little a little scary for some of us. But even when they have safety boats, it's you don't. there's no guarantee you're going to get picked up right away in that current's strong.
1: It reminds me of, uh, I don't think it was on the, the third day. It was, this is back my uh, dad's national partner, um, Rick Piersma, went to the Classic once. He didn't know how to swim. And they did not have a cover on their boat. Oh goodness. So they <laughs> they swamped their boat and they were not the only boat to be swamped. And they were the last ones to get picked up because <laughs> they, Yeah. Because everyone else is speaking French and no you know, this is probably back in the eighties when this happened and you know, so it was uh, a. <laughs>
0: And that's quite- probably the day where he decided he would take swimming classes. No, no, <laughs> that was
1: the day he decided you wouldn't do the Classique again.
2: Ah, bad set of mine. So I will say the Classique has done so much to welcome us. And this year there were only four um, U.S. paddlers there, but they were awesome. Making everything is easy for us to understand as possible and really accommodating us. So that's something I think that even in the years that I've gone has like, I've seen the community up there be so much more welcoming and it's really exciting to see back to the PDF. I'm like skipping around or PFD goodness. I know Kevin and I were talking before how, like, I think that's a super important tool and I'm really excited to see paddlers embracing on the water safety. But I think a lot that goes into that is also knowing the kind of water you're getting on, um, being prepared with how to handle your boat and changing conditions, knowing how to remount, like get back Mm -hmm. in if you fall out. I don't know, uh, Sarah and Luke, how how that is a up there but i know in michigan most of our rivers are pretty small so people don't really practice that and then we get in like a lake race and they're like oh my goodness what do i do so i don't i don't know how it is up there but <laughs> what do you guys do for that stuff
3: at least one once um during the summer i'm going with a, a partner uh it is and i'm i'm training out to return into the boat and we do it maybe five six or seven times just to be sure that uh, you're able to go uh, return into the boat easily without getting too much water into it, and just to be sure that you're able to evacuate the water uh, because it's not because you're able to go, uh, return into the boat that you'll be able to paddle it. So <laughs> it's another thing. but yeah, I don't know, Sarah, uh, what you you wanted to say.
0: Uh, so the first time I did Classique with my brother, we uh... We actually practiced it before because you don't want to be like flipping for the first time and trying it for the first time in the race mode. You want to be relaxed. You want to think about what you're doing and you want to do it properly. And then you want to think back of okay, what have I done? What can I improve? And then you do do it over and over. And it's funny because I I hadn't I hadn't been practicing it in C1 much, but then this summer I decided to go for swims and stuff like that, and then I had to go back in my boat and. And it's actually doable in a C1, too, but you never know until you practice it. And I think it's better to practice it before the big day. But again, you might practice it. And of course, you're not going to practice it in like huge waves. But if you flip in the like third day of the classique in the rapids, it's probably going to be impossible to get back in the boat. But. As you were mentioning, uh, Rebecca, the Classique has improved a lot. And now there are so many more safety boats compared to when I started doing the Classique. They are everywhere. And seriously, you feel very, very safe, even though it's a large river and that there can be a lot of waves.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's just safety boats everywhere and they're super, they get, even if they just see you struggling, they just kind of make sure like, okay, you're in, in good shape. I don't think, I, I haven't done it in a year that's been really, really rough yet, but I I know when the day comes that they're really looking out for the racers. Yeah. Weren't you there in 2010? I have fed, that was the last year I fed, so I was uh, trying to get my dad to do it with me, but he wanted to go and have like a really good race at the 90 miler, so he wouldn't go, so I, uh, oh, <laughs> I fed for like a whole bunch of Michigan teams all at once, because they didn't have feeders, and uh, <laughs> some of the guys, it was their first time up there, and they're like, I've never seen waves like this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's crazy. Yeah, that's, 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 that's crazy. But it's, it's good to hear that there's a lot of uh, safety boats out there, especially in the big water like that. In New York, they don't seem to, I don't know if a lot of guys practice uh, remounting. I actually practice it more now, (laughs) because now I have warm water. (laughs) Um, Yes. But
2: yeah, yeah, and, I definitely practice. And if I
1: tip over in a bad spot, I don't want to get eaten by alligators. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That'll make you get in quick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's just kind of break down real quick the other races. There was the the Big race happened, and Rebecca, you uh, raced with Bill, didn't you?
2: Yeah. So that's the. Um, race up in Bel Air, Michigan. It's one of our last races of the season. It was, I think, a 10 and a half mile course. And I got to race with Bill Mahaffey, uh, Kevin's usual co-host. We've never paddled together before. So that was super fun. We were fighting it out with some other mixed teams. uh, (laughs) And it it was a good time. I I honestly, I think we were 17th, but it was, yeah, it was a good, good time. Uh, Big news, I guess, from that uh was Kyle Stonehouse and Matt Gabriel uh raced the Diller 2020 and they won. Um not surprising, both great paddlers, but they defeated uh Pete Mead and Carson Burmeister, um, which was I think was a little bit of an upset there. Um Mm. so that was kind of exciting to see. Good reviews for that boat coming uh in. So hopefully I've paddled it a little bit, but hopefully we'll have it down at the farm next week. I think. And, uh, yeah, Mary Schlimmer race with West Dean. So they were the first mixed team and third overall. So Mary got to beat up on Weston a little bit. He was fourth with Tim <laughs> Chapel, <laughs> which I know always feels good. Like when I get to beat Mike in a race, I am always really excited. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, <laughs> but I try to get one in a year. Like if it's a canoe race, great um sometimes it's a ski race which is kind of more exciting um he hasn't let me beat him in a running race in like a couple years but there's always hope if i just keep running far enough i'll get by right (laughs) hey
1: mike hey mike you want to do this ultra
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah Uh, by the way you got to carry jack (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) that um big race i heard there's a fair amount of uh like uh, cement type water is that is that true
2: yeah it was pretty like sucky depth um they had us go kind of we were in a small river then went out onto a lake and then went up uh down another river um for a little bit so it was kind of a mix of lake and and river paddling but they had to stay close to shore on the lake and most of the michigan lakes are fairly shallow so um yeah it was just kind of sucky most of the way uh but beautiful um different course than we normally have so that was fun well
1: well yeah that's the thing you know it's uh when you're talking about you know water like that you know especially on a lake because you don't you don't have any current um really like separates the field a lot and i think it's uh interesting to have that because you guys got a lot of other races that have uh good current you know rivers on good current and and uh it, it definitely adds another element so
2: for sure for sure
1: but uh, before we get to our guests, why don't we just break down some of the um, some of the quick the results that we have? You know, because we want to get in and and dig in deep with our with our guests. So um, I don't know if I even. I'm maybe we should have Sarah do the. Do the uh, yeah. Let's
2: have Sarah or
1: results. Yeah,
2: because we're not going to butcher these. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) our accents are bad, Sarah. Which results? Which which results are you looking for? Um, for classic. Um, so yeah, we have. Oh, you want to know the results? Yeah, just uh, maybe a top three or four uh, mixed and then women's, I guess. Yeah, so without a doubt, uh, Guillaume and Jimmy
0: won the Classic. Um That was, uh, according to me, that was pretty uh, easy to see right from the start. And then, yeah, um, and then your husband, uh, Mike Davis and uh, Weston arrived second. Very close by, uh, in third by Sam Furgon and uh, Christophe Marchand-Pellerin, who is a growing star. Um, he's hasn't been paddling for long but he's paddling a lot and he's uh he's out there and uh, you have to watch out for him for the next couple of years and in fourth uh I was really glad to see my friend uh, Pio Canel and uh, Francis Trudel who is a beast um if you don't know Francis uh, a couple of years ago his partner quit on him at the classique because he was sick so uh Francis decided to finish the classique in c one which is something I would never do but he had uh he had the guts to do it, and that was really good. And then, if I'm not mistaken, in fifth, it was um, Serge Paget and Eric Gagnon, who uh, Luke and I had the chance to be around uh, uh, some parts of the day one and day two, if I remember well. Yep. And then in sixth, it was uh, Guy Rousseau, who was doing his 30th classique with uh, Jérémy leveillet and then in seventh, it was uh, Luke and I. And then after that, it just, I can go on and on. But then the second <laughs> mix was uh, Shirley Trudel and her boyfriend. I have a blank.
3: Louis Le Five? Or Louis
0: or the five. five. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sorry. And in third position mix, it was Sarah La and her brother, um,
3: Gabriel. Gabrielle
0: Larose, I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh no, <laughs> that's a name from that course. You're doing so um, good. <laughs> thank you. And then without a doubt for the first position female, it was uh, Rebecca and Sylvie who had an amazing classique. Um, very, very good classique. And then in second, it was uh, Tina and Caroline, uh, which are females that are so much fun to be around. Um, they just started paddling and they are very into it. They're very, very passionate. They're, um, willing to learn and, uh, they will, they will, they are growing stars as well because they are, yeah, they are very dedicated. So it's really nice to see.
3: That was their first classique.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All three women's teams. There were three women's teams, which I think at classique is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, my first classic 10 years ago, I think there were two or three women total. Um, So it's just amazing to see there were seven mixed teams, three women's teams, and two of the three women's teams were uh, rookie. So um, the other one, and I'll probably butcher the name, the third place women's was Allison, I would say Dennis, and and then is it Manon?
0: Manon, yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, they were so gutsy out there. I mean, that water is yeah. not typically thought to be friendly to women's teams. And especially the start of the second day, it wasn't rough the whole day, but that start was pretty rough. Yeah. And um, yeah. I know that the third place team, they flipped right before the start and they just got back in and and decided to go. And, um, it was super awesome to see both those teams finish and they were so proud and so excited at the end. Um, it's, I don't know, it's really cool. I know Sarah, you, you've been racing pretty much as long as I have. And just to see the, the amount of women up there paddling now and being excited about it and racing C1, um, I definitely... Like, I think Sarah and Sylvie have done so much to grow the sport up there. And then along with you guys, when you started, um, I think even to me, Jennifer and Judy Ann Park were really inspirational seeing how well they did up there. Um, It's just it's so great to see. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) Go ahead, Sarah. (laughs) I I think, the um, well, that's my point of view. I
0: think the females are. I will say more sharing and caring kind of like, um, we help ourselves, uh, to grow and to become better. I am so, um, I'm hopeful that there will be a lot more women, uh, racing and racing, not only C2, but C1 as well. And every time you hear me talk to other ladies, I'm like, come on, you need to go do that C1 race. It's like, one very great way to become better and and see all your potential and see all your mistakes and then you can learn from that and uh, i've actually created a group in quebec about um with all the females quebecer paddlers in order to um motivate everyone and to um to show like support and i think i think it's working i think the girls are helping each other and I'm I, anyway, I'm hoping in the next few years that there will be even more women. I, I can't wait to have my ass kick in the C1 race. So then I, <laughs> I can be like, Oh my God, I want to become better. And, and like, anyway, stay strong. And anyway, look forward to C1 races.
1: Well, I think that's uh that, that, uh, a true Testament of your, your character and your athleticism, Sarah. Um, you know, I've always said that too. Um, I'm a free giver of knowledge and I want someone to beat me because they um because they're a better athlete than me not because I withheld secret knowledge or or anything oh, no. like that. So I think it's a uh, I think the approach that you're having is 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 such a testament to your character and and you as an athlete um and, and I love, I, I just, I love it. I love, I love the promotion of canoe racing in any form that it takes. And so, um, and there's definitely so much room for, for you guys. And, uh, it's just, it's just all great. So
2: and I, awesome. will, I will say off of what Sarah is saying, I, I think the women's paddling community, we might be small, but. Um, it's one of the coolest sporting communities that I've Uh been a part of just because the (laughs) women do like, we're all different, but we get along pretty well. I mean, um, you know, we're always, I think we're always trying to push each other to get better and we race super hard. I know Sarah and I have raced so hard (laughs) against each other over the years, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's (laughs) like, I'm so excited to see her do well and have good partners. And, um, I hope she thinks the same for me. And I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think she's, um, Maybe taking the torch from from me and and racing maybe some with Edith next year, and I'm very excited to see how they do, and I wish them the best. So, um, oh,
0: thank you. I, <laughs> I will need to become a vow beast. I don't know how this is going to work, but anyway, any tips is uh, is a welcome.
2: <laughs> Training nice. with Sylvie, that's uh, that's what I, I did to race with Edith. It's, oddly enough, um, Sylvie is either in Michigan or in Florida at the same time I've been um, when I've needed to train bow. So she's like gone stern for me a bunch. And that's this year when I needed a classic partner. I was like, I need to, to repay the favors. You've trained with me so much and we never race. <laughs> so um, she'll she'll whip you into shape, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice the f- actually the finish of the third day I'm like sprinting till my arms are falling off and she's like coaching me into the finish she's like come on we've sprinted into the finish the other two days like today we're gonna win the sprint and I'm like okay we didn't win but I went really really hard <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well
1: that's
0: the
2: first step wanting to win really really hard <laughs> yeah
1: I and 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 I will second. Sylvia is tough as nails, man. She is one tough competitor, and um, she, Tiny
0: Marty. <laughs> she is
1: yeah. she is you know. Yeah, I give I give her all the credit in the world. I'm I'm so grateful. I had the experience of uh, racing with her, and uh, and. I still don't know how she did it, you know? Uh in, in some of the some of the conditions that we had. and like she didn't have any food for the first 2 hours. I mean, not even <laughs> just coming back she from that. Little...
0: Sylvie didn't have any food?
1: No, it fell out on the lawn.
0: That's very surprising. You know when I train with Sylvie, after an hour and a half, we know exactly she is taking her boost like
2: an hour yeah. and a half. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah. 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 Yep. And so. she
2: always has like the little, like before the race, she's like, oh, I have a snack. You need to eat this an hour before it. Like, yeah. It was so good. She's so on it with that.
1: Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I go, do you need to get some food? She's like, I don't have any food. I'm like, "Uh Oh, <laughs>
2: But it all happens. You know, we've all been in those long races and no matter how much you plan and prepare, it's, Oh, it yeah. just it's unexpected. I mean, stuff happens. You flip, you yep. lose your light, you forget your cover. That's I don't know. Bad
0: that's stuff. the pleasure of racing, though. It's how you come back from all the all the things that is thrown at you. You're like, OK, well, you know what? I don't have food. I've been sick. Uh,
2: my water drained at the start. OK, it's OK. We can do it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think actually I'll segue a little bit into how your race went. Um, Luke and Sarah, I know one of the things that I love about the seek is it's really hard to have three great days. You kind of have to like, manage your bad day and then <laughs> really perform on the other two. So um, tell us a little bit about your race. Luke, you want to go ahead? Because I've been talking a lot. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, I was thinking about um, our first day when uh, on the start line <laughs> you told me that <laughs> your bottle was empty. And <laughs> that kind of uh first day that uh, you know uh it, it is starting very bad
0: <laughs> yes. oh such a beginner's mistake like my water drain and I don't know like I don't know how it happened I was drinking it a little I have the impression I I um uh, I don't know push hair in my tube and I think it was fine and then at some point I'm like luke I don't have any more water. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, we're good. (laughs) And then Caroline right next to me was so nice. She was like, take some of mine, take some of mine. And the the national anthem is playing. And we're like, no, we can't, let's start, let's do it.
1: (laughs) Oh boy.
2: So one of the things about uh, Classique that's a little bit different is they have designated feed zones. So everybody has to feed onshore. We don't feed from boats anymore. And it's within like a certain zone, um, maybe like 200 meters. Um, And that kind of comes into play with the strategy. Some teams will skip different feed zones um, because they're kind of close. They might be like an hour to an hour 15 apart. Um, so did you guys what did you guys do for feeding on that first day? Did you take all four four feeds or did you plan to skip that first one? Or oh, how did how did no. that
0: work? <laughs> <laughs> we did we didn't plan on skipping the first one and I was really glad we didn't because I really needed water. It was kind of funny when we arrived there because we were with um so uh Guy Rousseau and Jeremy was and were in front of us with uh, Serge Paget and Eric Gagnon and the current was kind of strong right before the buoy and the guys i think they went too much down before the buoy so they kind of touch each other and anyway it was kind of weird but it kind of helped us to have like like we were we were not exactly in their stern we were maybe one way behind and them having the the buoy not taken properly helped us like have a good feed and then stay with them for longer and longer um but the feeding since it's been on the side of the river is just, um, a lot more fair for everyone and a lot less complicated for the boats that are not from Quebec. And even for me, like I'm not from La Mauricie. I'm not, I I don't live close from there. So it's very hard for me to find feeders and to find feeders that are able to handle the boat would be just so complicated. So I'm, I'm, I think that classic did a very good job on putting the feeds on to the side of the, to the shore.
3: But I think that uh, it changed the game of La Classique because um, when the other teams, you don't know where they were feeding, but now you know that everyone or maybe maybe, uh, two or three boats are feeding uh, to the next feed zone, Uh, you know that you need to escape those other canoes and You you need to push hard or you you know that there will be something happening before the feed, you know, so Mm -hmm. I think the the game changed,
1: but, um, you know, when it will happen. Yeah. that that's uh that's very interesting it kind of reminds me of like nascar racing a bit because like nascar um a lot of it if you guys don't know is like a lot of uh managing your tires and and everything everyone has to come in right around the same time but when people decide to go in and take their pits and stuff like that so i think it's interesting that they have they now have these uh feed zones because um, we were kind of i mean this comes back to the the marathon talk that we had with um uh, Matt and Jordan, how they it just so happened that their, their feed just fed right into the race and they were able to take advantage of, uh, um, an early feed and that's how, where they made their breakaway. So it's, it's interesting that now, you know, you have the different zones so you can kind of, you know, kind of think tactfully on what, what's going to happen in, in each of those zones.
2: Yeah, that actually, with the first three boats, that's where the race broke up on the first day, is actually um, Sam and, not Sam, um, Jim and uh, Guillaume skipped the second feed, um, and that's where the water starts to get a little bit shallower. So they skipped that one, and that's where they kind of broke away. Um, Actually, the two French-Canadian teams broke away there from Mike and Weston, who skipped the first feed, got the second one. Um, and then they ended up, I don't know, we call it like a bad hair day. (laughs) They had like their low period after that, um, and Weston and then caught back up and, and we're getting closer to the front, uh, towards the end of the day, but it makes a big difference. I mean, I don't think it changed the result of the race, but that's kind of where things broke up.
1: For sure. So, um, so you guys were telling us about your race, Luke, you want to tell us a little bit more about how it was going? Excuse me? Do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit more about how the, oh, the race went over overall? Yeah. Well, um, during the first leg, uh,
3: we had some health issue, um, <laughs> <laughs> like three or, uh, four yeah, hours I into the race. Issue.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, um, we were on the wash, uh, we were riding with, uh, you know, uh, Eric Serge and, um, Jeremy and, uh, uh Guy, and, uh, then, uh, we, we, we had to stop uh, <laughs> because of that problem. So the first day was pretty much it. We we pushed uh, as as hard as, as we could. But yeah.
0: <laughs> I think at the classic, it's a lot of... Well, I don't think I know. At the classic, it's a lot of uh, wash riding and um, mm-hmm. being with the pack. If you're alone, you're just a very lonely wolf and it's horrible. And I think... Uh, we had a very good start at the first day and then it went even better when we had to go um, up the current on the shore. And that's where we were able to like gain a little bit more position. And that's where we were able to settle with um, Serge, Eric, uh, Jeremy and Guy up until mm-hmm. I had health issue. And Luke is such a nice partner because seriously, I... Like Luke said, it's okay, Sarah, we can stop. And I felt really bad because you don't want to be the burden. Like you don't want to, you don't want to be strong for your partner. You want to be good. You want your partner to have fun and you don't want to be that lonely wolf. But um, so we stopped ashore and we lost him. And then we were just, and and, and another team passed us after that. And then we were just alone and then we had to stop the shore again. And then we were a little bit more alone. But seriously, like um, I didn't have a feeling of um disappointing Luke which was fun because then like if I would have felt like I was disappointing him then it would have been just horrible and I think that's one of the uh one strain of our team is that um we support each other and um we talk a lot and if someone doesn't feel good then we adjust and Luke is extremely good at adjusting to a
2: partner so yeah And I have a question for Luke off of that. So, uh, having been up to classic a lot, there haven't been a whole lot of mixed teams, especially like good guys racing, racing a lot of mixed up there. And, uh, I know Sarah has often brought a partner in from the States, um, because to race with and has done really, really well. So, um, I was excited to see when you guys partnered together and I was wondering, um, what made you interested in racing mixed and then teaming up with Sarah?
3: Well, I started to race with, uh, mix four years ago with, um, Brianna federal, she's from New York. Um, I liked it a lot. You know, that, uh, girls are, are very technical. Um, it is way easier to, uh, on my point of view to paddle with girls. Because the the canoe uh, tends to glide more, um, and then two years ago we we raced for the first time, Sarah, I think, at La Rivière Chouinard. We we liked the race a lot. Well, I liked the race a lot. I I And then we we raced maybe. Uh, two or three times, um, after that. And, uh, well, we, we started to talk about La Classique. Um, you need to know that I injured myself two years ago during La Classique with my partner, um, Antoine Rouleau. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do La Classique again, because it is a pretty tough race, um, and. Talk to talk uh, with with Sarah. We she
0: uh, she. <laughs> I begged him. Let's just say yeah. it. I begged him <laughs> to race with me, like I always do. I begged him.
3: <laughs> and when th- that's the 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 old story about uh, Sarah and me uh, racing together at La Classique.
2: Well, you guys make a really good team and I, I never got to like see you in the race, which was like good for you and, and bad for, well, it wasn't bad for me. It's just no. way faster, but, um, it was good to see such a strong mixed team up there. And, uh, I mean, you guys easily won, which I knew you would, but, um, it's, it's just really infre- impressive to see you racing all year against the, the good men's teams you were racing against and, and having fun together. So. Um, uh, I was just super excited to see that. <laughs> Thank you. And if I can add, Luke is, um,
0: Luke is a beast in wave, like, um, and I don't know if it's because he's heavier or just super stable or just, I don't know. Um, the second day, as you saw, Rebecca, the, um, the start was, um, there was a lot of movements and everyone was so close by at the start on the, on the starting line, um, but, Luke was nice and steady. And actually, the second day is the day I hit the most because when you're tiny, you just you're just all over the place in those waves. But Luke said, the second day is my favorite day. So it kind of made me feel better about <laughs> it. Um, and it was, I think it was the easiest second day I've ever had. It was i, I not I didn't even feel like the the start. I could feel the waves. But after that, I felt like there was no wave. Luke was just so stable and he was helping me. Like sometimes, you know, if there's wind, you're paddling the same side forever. But Luke was uh, really attentionate and uh, switching whenever he wanted because we were so stable and the glide was so good. Um, That second day was actually a lot of fun, especially comparing to normally this is the day I hate the most.
2: Yeah, I You know, it was kind of funny the way the second day went this year. We had a really rough start, I believe. And Sarah and Luke, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. They started us um, actually early and not really on the line. Like we didn't do the national anthem or anything uh, because it was so rough that people were just like tipping over. (laughs) So they just kind of like as soon as we got in like a group, they're like, "Okay, we're going to start you. Um, So it was really chaotic there uh, everyone was like crunched together. Um, but then after we got going, it calmed, like I thought it was going to be rough the whole way, but it kind of calmed down after about the first, maybe hour and a half or so. Um, which, which is unusual. Us- usually it, uh, is rough for most of the second day. So that was kind of nice, um, to get that out of the way early in the day and, and kind of get locked in for later. Uh, I know for me, I, for whatever reason, even though like when I race women's I tend to have good days if it's uh, rough. So um, we're like, Sylvie and I are in this like pack of like seven or eight boats most of every day. <laughs> and anytime the waves would pick up, we'd go to the front. And I'm like, this is really weird. We're like this tiny women's team. I'm not tiny this year, but like Sylvie's very small. <laughs> so I'm like, what is happening? Exactly. <laughs> Why do they want to follow the little girls? But <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's really funny
0: but
2: (laughs) it was uh it was awesome um I know one thing ahead of time I was worried they were going to do the Grand Mare Portage on the other side of the river um just the I don't know if I was looking at the map wrong so I was really glad to see that they did it um in the normal spot um it's much shorter over there (laughs) have you ever done it on the right side I only fed when it was on the right side, and I remember feeding for it that it was, like, really, really, really long <laughs> and really, oh. really, really steep down the hill. <laughs> and I'm sure – I know, Sarah, probably of all the women that are racing, I think you're probably the fastest portager. Um, I don't know. Luke, can you keep up with her?
3: <laughs> 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 yeah, she, she's fast um, during all the portages. Um, she screamed a lot during portage, uh, portages. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I'm joking. Um, there's a, a portage uh, named La, La Belgo. It is very steep and, yeah. um, the, 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 the stern isn't able to see, uh, their feet because you, you need to, to take the canoe in your hands and um, there's a lot of rocks and stuff so it it is very slippery. Um, I, I was afraid and Sarah was too during <laughs> the running so <laughs> that's why we, we were laughing. Um, she, <laughs> maybe she screamed.
1: <laughs> yeah. oh my
0: God. I always tell my partners, I'm like, unless I'm like screaming your name or like telling you to stop, you go and take the canoe and run as fast as you can. And like, you will hear me dying, like of um, being out of breath, but I don't care unless I scream your name. And actually at the bell go, I was like, (laughs) I was so scared. I could feel my knees. I was like, I think they're going to go backwards. Like something is wrong. Like I I can't do this anymore and then Luke was just looking over at me and then he kept on going and looking at me slowing down a little bit and then
2: kept on going. I was like, okay, we'll survive this. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) So Kevin, if you haven't seen this portage, it's like uh, anyone who's done the Assabo. It's like running down uh, Cook Dam like that steep, steep, (laughs) steep grass hill, but it's gravel and like three times longer. So, and you're on the third day of Classique, so your legs are completely trashed, your arms are completely trashed, you have no control over anything, and you're just running down this hill, like, completely for a full bore, hoping that you make it to the end (laughs) in one piece.
0: (laughs) There's uh, someone who took a video, uh, a live video, and you can see uh, Serge Paget and Eric Gagnon, they are amazing at doing it almost dangerous because they are <laughs> yeah going so fast and they're passing the other teams like they're stopped but you know the other teams are also going fast so i can't imagine how fast they were going it was really <laughs> a nice video to see
1: that's that's crazy yeah. Yeah.
3: but but a little more about the uh, grandma porridge um i think that Sarinmi uh, ran it uh pretty fast but what's important about porridges is, is not how fast you're running it. It it is how fast you uh, enter your boat and you start to paddle uh, again. And what we talked about, Sarah and me, is uh, what we need to do, even if we are out of breath, is to sprint all we can um, right when we are sitting in the boat and for about, Mm -hmm. I don't know, two, three or five minutes right away, you know? So, Mm yeah, and, and we were able to to do so. So we, it was uh, what um, pushed us uh, farther from the other team that was mm-hmm. uh, Guy and uh, Jeremy. Uh, isn't yeah. is it that Sarah? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, about a
0: porch. Oops. Sorry.
3: No, I'm done.
0: They they finally caught back to us because. Uh, Basically they were they were a faster team than us definitely uh-huh. and that's why they beat us but then after that we were able to um sprint to the portage at Lille the one uh, the one in the wood and on the island and then we were able to get in the portage before them and then so that helped us to stay with them and then have a finish with them they they uh, they beat us at the sprint at the end but then we were able to to stay with them, which is a little bit more motivating than being alone on the, the St. Maurice River.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um, see so hearing you guys talk about it, and I, I honestly I didn't do my due diligence to take a, a good look at the results from each day, um, but did it sounds like there, there, there is some shuffling around of teams um, from day to day, is that, is that correct to assume that or, cause like it, the 90 miler yeah. is a, the 90 miler is a three day race too. But you know, when, when I did it in 2019, you know, it was, uh, Rebecca out front and then, you know, Mike freezes team second, and then we were third and that was just how it was the whole <laughs> Was, oh. you, could have, you could have taken you could have taken the first three hours of the race and called it the race but uh, it seems like there's a lot more like scrambling of teams in the classic
0: yes because the water is so different the mm-hmm. first day you have some well first of all you have to go up the river so if you're not good at going upstream then you can't take a pack that is faster than you or f- as fast as you So the first day you have to go upstream and then you have some shallows and it's pretty calm, so you have to have a very good glide. But then the second day it can be rough and then you add the portage. So if you're a team that is um, heavier and very good in the waves and that you can run very fast, then the second day will probably be your best day. And then you have the third day where you have um, more white water. So if you're very comfortable in white water instead of just um, like... uh, catching lightly the the water with your paddle you will actually um, be strong in the white water and then you will be able to do good in, in the third day so I think you have to be a very uh, complete um, paddler if you want to do the classic yeah. yeah
2: I totally agree with that um, it, it's it's interesting to see um, obviously when you get to the very top teams they stay a little more the same just because they you know, for them to put together three good days is, is more likely than when you're a little bit further back. Um, but, and I, I think even too, with the third day, you'll, at least to me, it seems like you see a lot of times teams that may be struggled in the, the first two days are a little longer usually. So um, if they struggled one of those two days, usually they'll have like a really strong third day. It's a little bit shorter and, uh, and you can, I don't know, necessarily go a little bit harder, but if you're feeling a little bit fresh or you were all alone on the second day, so you didn't push so much to stay in a pack, sometimes you'll have a better finish on that third day. Um, Mm. But the third day you can gain so much time because if you go well over the portages, have a good run in the rapids, and then below the rapids, the water looks to be flat, but there's some lines that are like way better um, and if people know where to go and can read the river, they can gain a lot of time there.
1: So. Cool. cool. That's great. Um, it sounds like we, we, we cover the race pretty, pretty good. Do you guys want to cover anything more on the race specifically, um, before we get into some other topics?
2: I'm good. What about you, Luke?
1: No, I'm good too.
2: I have just one more thing um, I think that's really cool. The Classique does that the other races don't so much um, is they always recognize the youngest. I believe it's the youngest paddler in the field. Um, And they they actually have like a trophy with all the names of the youngest paddlers. Uh, So it's super cool. Um, Lots of previous winners are on it. Um, But this year there was, you say uh, Renault? Yes. Is that how you say
0: yeah.
2: it? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um and he was 14 and I think he did it with his dad and uh that's it. That's just a huge accomplishment. Um yes. so I was around them a little bit. Uh, I think they flipped at the start of the second day, so um they finished behind us, but they were a really strong team and it's it's really encouraging to see um someone so young out there. So I'm get off my my soapbox now, but <laughs> No,
1: that's great it's great to hear. I mean, that's kind of one of the topics that we wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, um, the younger group, uh, coming up. Cause there's, there's definitely some names that are popping out there that, um, they're really young. So they're, if they keep at the sport, they're going to be, you know, top contenders for, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, t- you talk about like, you just looking at the, the Christophe, uh, uh who races sam sam still young but sam's been around for a while you know um you know uh jeremy's 23 i'm just looking at uh the the overall results and seeing just picking out people that are in that you know 23 24 so eighth place uh Louis simon you Prin- Pinot. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, t- shout out to Tony uh, who was on the the show the last time. Uh, you know, and then Tony Mascotti. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, and then like uh, there's a 19 year old that was in 20th place, Jeremy M- M- Michaud. Yeah. Um, but it's, that's that's just It's just one of those things that I'm just so. Um, You know, so I do analytic, like I look at the analytics from my, the website and the podcast and everything like that. And, and I was looking at our Facebook analytics and there was, we didn't have a single person under the age of 21 that had liked our um, Facebook page. And that was like, so disturbing to me. I remember, you know, talking over with like, at that time it was Ben and Bill and I'm like, you know how is this, you know, we're, we're on a digital platform, you know, like this is where kids are, you know, and we don't have a single follower, you know, we had, we had 600 followers at that point. So um, it's very, you know, I, I love seeing the, the, the youth in the sport. Um, and there's definitely like, and this is another topic that I wanted to talk about is that I remember, uh you know, uh, Luke, what year did we paddle? Um, we paddled at Gary's camp. Was it in 2018 or was it 2017? Do uh, you remember? I I paddled both. Yeah, but we paddled together in the boat. Yeah, I don't know I, if you remember I, that.
3: N- yeah, but I, I'm not sure about yeah. which year it was.
1: So um, you know, you have you have uh, made uh, leaps and bounds in that time frame. Um, just wanted to, to kind of pick your brain on, uh, you know, what what have you done over those three years? What what do you what can you uh, attribute that to? Is it just you know time in the boat? Is it you know when did you get started, Luke? First, well, I'm, this is this is something that we were going to touch on earlier, but obviously we got talking about the race, so we want to hear from both, Sarah and Luke on how you guys got started and everything. So I guess we can start there and then we can, we can progress back into this uh, improvement.
3: Well, I started uh, in the boat racing five years ago with uh, a friend. Well, <laughs> it is the boyfriend of one of my friend and um, we started racing out of nowhere. Um, I fed a small Pierre Lacombe um, two years in a row during La Classique and uh, I was saying to myself, yeah, I, I want to do that kind of race. And that, that's how I started. Um, I was uh, very bad at paddling. <laughs> um, we we a- always finished uh, like, uh, last. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, and then ne- the, the next year, uh, René uh, Jolie, um, wanted to paddle with me and started to learn me how to glide and how to uh, apply uh, the paddle in the water efficiently so that's the moment when I started to understand how it, it is working in a canoe and um, well that that's pretty much it um, and then year after year I'm trying to just add some technical uh thing into my my technique um i know that um christophe helped me a lot um during the winter i i was sending him some uh, videos of me paddling on my uh paddle one uh roar and he mm-hmm. just um telling me some uh really specific points to
1: uh, to fix and uh yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I love about Chris is he's uh he's he's, he's looked at my videos as well and uh, given me pointers. Um so um let's uh Sarah, let uh tell us how you got started in the paneling.
0: Um I started doing rebaska, maybe I will say maybe thirteen 30- or 12 years ago um I was really bad I think my first classique uh, you know how they uh, they split the first day in five shifts I think I had one shift the first day and one shift the second day and the third <laughs> shift I think I had like maybe 20 or 25 total hours um and then I think I did the classique two times in a rubasca and then in 2010 my brother said hey Sarah we should do c2 And I was like, hey, why not? So we started doing C2. I was actually a bow back then because I really couldn't understand a thing of what was going on. My brother needed to tell me everything, like to put the skirt, to post, to anything that was different (laughs) from just stroking. He had to tell me, like I couldn't think for myself. And I was looking at my feet all the time anyway. Um, (laughs) But then after that, I did another year in 2011 of Rabaska. And then I went back to... uh, racing c2 and i was super lucky i don't know if it was 2012 or 2013 um i asked jeff Defeo to race uh, boston which is not like i don't know if it goes on anymore but um i don't go there anymore but um i asked jeff Defeo and i'm like well i'm about and he said i'm about too, but let's let's just try both ends and we'll see how it goes but finally when i arrived there it was like no you're going in this turn <laughs> and it was actually the best, yeah, <laughs> he tricked me. Best <laughs> trick ever, though. Um, so, um. and that's how I got started to race Stern. And I'm so glad he tricked me because that's when, like, I think, like, ladies will do best, unless they're racing females, but they will do best in the Stern. And that's how it, it got really, like, my name started to get known a little bit better. And then I was just so fortunate that I've paddled with amazing paddlers. Um, I've done a season with Michel Casabon, who's the king of the glide. And I've learned so much from that. Um, and I have i was just lucky that I, I'm, I'm not shy. So I ask people to race with me and people say yes. I don't know why. But then I think I've learned a lot from that and... And I still ask good paddlers like Luke and they still say yes. So I think I'm just I'm just very lucky.
1: I think but, your uh, I think your skill um, speaks for itself, and your athleticism speaks for itself. So that's why they say yes. <laughs> maybe. I, think I'll that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's easy for most of them to to say yes. I, I would uh, contend that point. So, um, but um, do you come from a, a you you mentioned your brother paddling? Are you do you come from a paddling family?
0: No, at all. My parents were uh, my parents were um, grown on farms, and Mm -hmm. they like my mom is super scared of water, so there's no way she would paddle. My dad, I think he's in shape, but he doesn't do sports. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, as kids, we we played baseball. I played volleyball, but it was really uh, like low intensity kind of thing. My brother, my older brother, was always the most in shape of all the three of us, but I always wanted to follow what my brother was doing. So when he asked me, hey, do you want to come do rebasque? I was like, yeah, why not? And I remember after that first practice, I was like, I am never paddling again. This was so hard. And there I was the week after going again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just got hooked. And uh, and I, as uh, Rebecca mentioned before, um, it's a beautiful community to be part of. So I think that... Um, that helped me uh, keeping up to paddle. Oh, my God, my English. I'm so sorry. So, anyway, <laughs> that's why I continued paddling because they were, like, it's entertaining and people are fun to be around. And I just, I, I like the competition as well. Like, let's just admit it. Um, I think it's fun to push yourself to the limit. And your limit is always further than what you thought before. So,
2: so I was wondering... Um, kind of maybe to to wrap up if each of you guys had like one or two things that you'd like to share with uh someone starting out or um it could be you know getting into a race maybe you've never done before if class intimidating to them I guess you can take it kind of however however you want there but what's like one or two things you would say to someone um who's starting out in the sport to a piece of advice that they they can use and work on do you want to go ahead or you want me to
0: go?
3: Yeah, yeah. well, um, n- never give up. <laughs> <laughs> As I was mentioning, um, I, when I was racing in my first year, uh, I was always uh, finishing the last. And uh, one way or another, y- you'll find ways to, to be better uh, paddling. So never give up.
0: Yeah, I would say have guts. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you're intimidated to go do a race or you're like, oh, I'm not going to race C1 because I'm going to finish last. Well, then if you never do it, you're never going to become good at it. But the more you race C1 or the more you do C2 races or the more you practice um, with sometimes a lot of different people, because everyone will make you see stuff differently and then you can pick whatever you want from all of this to make you a great paddler. So I think you have to have the guts to go out there and Just do it and try. And even if you fail, then you're just going to be better the next time.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's the best way to learn, yep. I I think it's so encouraging uh, to hear you guys talk about that. And, uh, and, you know, uh, sometimes we see, you know, incredible athletes, you know, jump into the scene and kind of, you know, catapult kind of to the front um, quickly. But I think it's more inspiring. And uh, I think it's, you know uh, better for the overall growth of the sport to hear um stories like your guys's where uh you guys you know just by persistence and um you know really taking lessons and learning because so much of canoe racing isn't necessarily about you know you know yes there's a lot of fitness that needs to be involved but there's so much skill that needs to be also mastered um mm-hmm that you can have a lot of there's a lot more improvement in canoe racing to be had than just like going out and running for example you know because running is so you know yes there's technique and stuff with running but a lot of it's just your base fitness so um having uh, you know, that skill aspect, there's definitely a, a, a larger range of uh, improvements that can be made other than just improvement in, in fitness.
3: And
2: and I definitely, um, I second all of that, Kevin. And I think uh, one thing that, you know, people see uh, someone winning their races and, and they think all oh, this person's been winning or at the top for five or 10 or 15 years. But I vividly remember I spent three years in a row in my C1 where my whole goal was to not get last in the race and it completely hinged on how many people over the age of 80 were there
3: (laughs) if there weren't any (laughs) I was
2: last (laughs) so you know I think it just like (laughs) you just have to keep working on and it does get better and it might feel slow but then one day all of a sudden you're a little bit faster and and even I remember racing my early classics, um, finishing in the mid twenties and paddling next to, you know, Christophe Prue. And I remember feeding for my dad finishing in like the 15 to 20th place next to, and racing with, uh, Fred and Guillaume Blay and, <laughs> you know, next to them. So like everyone thinks, oh, they just like paddled and got fast and won, but, there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of time that, that people don't remember because their names aren't at the top. Yeah. So right.
1: Well, I think that is a great place to uh, leave this episode, Sarah, Luke and Rebecca too. Thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the show tonight and uh, giving us all your great insights. Um, We'd love to have you back on the episode, on the podcast if you ever if you guys are ever interested. Um, and, My uh, pleasure,
0: seriously, and thank you
2: for uh, promoting uh, canoe so much. Thank you so much.
1: No problem. Yeah, so, thanks,
2: Kevin. It's uh, great to be to be I guess uh, sitting across from you. If
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, and I, I love getting to talk with Luke and Sarah too. So
1: now. Um, um, yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just saying congratulations, guys, on your race, and hopefully we'll see you racing next season. Yeah.
1: Thank hopefully, you. Ho- hopefully, Thank I can you. see you guys down in Florida, at some point. <laughs>
3: yep, yep.
2: <laughs> Fingers right, crossed.
1: <laughs> Until next time, keep battling on. Thank you for
0: listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.